Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week, we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast-famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's show, we have a coaching call with side hustler Corey, who's building a web design business for physical therapists and other health professionals. Among other things, our call leads us to talking in depth about using LinkedIn to get more clients. Our guest co-host and my friend Chelsea Baldwin and I share some of our tried and true tactics for making quality connections on LinkedIn. We also talk about recurring clients, outsourcing your work, and lots more. If you think LinkedIn could be a great way for you to connect with potential new clients, but you're just not sure how to go about it, then keep listening. This one's for you. We'll get started right after this. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store, and while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Hey guys, you've got enough tough decisions to make every month as you grow your business. Picking your next great book to read should not be one of them. With Book of the Month, you can forget about the hassle of browsing through endless shelves or scrolling infinitely through an overwhelming amount of book options online. Book of the Month simplifies the process of finding the next great thing to read by offering a carefully selected lineup of five to seven titles to pick from each month. From gripping thrillers to heartwarming romance and everything in between, I'm personally really excited about this new announcement from Book of the month, curated audiobooks. Since you're listening to podcasts, I assume that you like audiobooks and you're like me, you're more of a downloader than a page turner. And this is your moment. I'm right here with you. I've picked out my selections for March already and you can too. Joining book of the month is super easy, very affordable. Plus for a limited time, new members can get their first book for just $9.99 with code CHIRP. Visit bookofthemonth.com now to pick your next great read. That's bookofthemonth.com with promo code CHIRP, C-H-I-R-P, or click the link in our show description. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? 
Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee from Milo.co and I'm joined today again by a guest co-host and guest coach, my friend Chelsea. Welcome to the show again, Chelsea. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. It's always fun. Yeah, and in just a sec, we're going to meet Corey, our guest for today. But for listeners who maybe don't know you, Chelsea didn't hear you last time you were on. Tell us quickly uh, what your business is about, and and um, I guess I guess why I'm having you on as a as a guest coach as well. Yeah, so I'm Chelsea. I am a copywriter. I started freelance writing back in 2008. Um, so long ago now that I think about it. Um, but I started, <laughs> now that you do the math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I started with newspapers. And then two years later in 2010, I started really writing online and learning so much about how like freelance writing and content worked with the internet, worked with businesses on the internet and how it all just kind of fed into, you know, the ultimate goal of businesses, which is getting awareness and making money and sort of feeding into that bottom line and how content fits in that, how you can optimize content and copy for better results, which has always been fascinating to me. So that's what I do. I help my clients create really great websites or really great online funnels um, to create awareness and to sell their leads on whatever it is that they're selling. And I also teach people who are either sort of beginning freelance writers or who just really don't have the writing skill set for themselves and really can't afford a high-end freelance writer, how to do it on their own website so they can start getting better results without having to like wait until they can afford to spend a fortune on a really high-end copywriter. Um, so yeah, that's what I do. I have created my businesses my business into a little bit of an agency model. I've done a few other things here and there, including some business coaching. Um, so yeah, I guess that also answers the question of why you're having me on because I've done the, I've set up the sort of um, agency bit and yeah. Yeah. Great. And welcome, welcome. And thanks again for being here. I, in terms of there's like a handful of people who I call when I have questions about my business, and Chelsea's definitely on that list. Um, and I guess by call, I mean email. We hardly ever call anymore, but um, we have been on a few video calls. Um, but anyway, Chelsea is definitely on my short list of people who know what they're talking about when it comes to starting, growing, scaling a service-based business particularly. So welcome again. We're chatting today with Corey. Uh, Corey, I didn't ask where you're calling from before we hit record. Where are you at today? Uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Great. Well, thanks so much. We have Corey uh, on for a coaching call today. And uh, Corey, to kick things off, why don't you just tell us uh, what your business is? What are you working on these days? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I kind of have a unique background in that uh, I kind of come from the healthcare industry, but my business ultimately is actually uh, web design and development for health and fitness professionals. And so it's kind of been this transition phase of taking the language and the jargon and the experience I have in that industry and then really helping people build their websites and ultimately, hopefully, to build a, an agency. Okay, I love it. Cool. So so health and, and fitness uh, clients, like, are we talking more like I guess we would call them like influencers, health and fitness influencers. Or are we talking more like medical professionals? Like who, I guess, who's your like most common client if you had to describe them? Yeah, that's a really good question. Obviously, those are pretty broad industries. And so yeah. um, they're mostly 
basically service professionals. Uh, I've kind of gone back and forth with it. And so like, just to give you some examples, like it's been personal trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, uh, mostly honestly is physical therapists is kind of, been, okay. Um, okay. that's actually the practice that I work in personally still by day is my trade is in physical therapy. And so oh, got it. Um, that's where a lot of the clients come from. But yeah, it's mostly like the health service type and not necessarily like a giant company or corporation. Okay. So that's so I know before we pushed record, you were telling me you're friends with Clay. I know Clay works in that space quite a bit um, and works with a lot of people in that space, uh, physical therapy, chiro- chiropractic, that kind of thing. So um, great. And, and um, so you're doing, you're doing, you're freelancing on the side right now. Yep. Yeah. So it's purely a side thing for now. How, how long now, have you been doing that? <laughs> for now, that's um, right. Yeah, that's a good attitude to, to adopt about it. Yeah, so it's been it's been about a year, I'd say. Um, there was okay. a phase in there where actually I I lost my job, which is kind of the starting of that business. Um, and so, yeah, got it. But you're still working full full time. You got a new job, uh, yep. still working full time. Yep. So awesome. still in the clinic. Yeah, great. I uh, built my. You know, listeners probably have heard this story a thousand times, but I built my side business for I think over eight years before I finally took it full time, which I should have done it sooner. Uh, you can definitely do it more quickly than that. But mm-hmm. I love just like side hustle mentality. I love people who just have the courage to like take on such an aud- audacious goal on the side of their day job um, as opposed to just like coming home, watching TV and going back to work the next day. So good for you, man. That's great. Um, <clears throat> as, as most listeners know, we, we do this freelancer to founder scale. I want to dive into that really quickly because I think there's going to be lots of great things to talk about today. But on the freelancer to founder scale, we ask where you are on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being a freelancer, 10 being a founder. And Corey, you filled out this questionnaire, which by the way, if you want to join us on the show, get a coaching call like Corey's getting today or like you've heard other people on the sh- <clears throat> excuse me, on the show, we'd love to have you join us as well. You can visit freelance2founder.com and um and fill out this short questionnaire and we'll have you on the show and give you our best advice for overcoming any hurdles in your freelance business. We have quite a few openings coming up. So if you've been on the fence about it, thinking about it, we'd really love to have you join us. Visit freelance2founder.com. Enough with, enough with that, Corey. Tell us a little bit about, you put that you're currently a one on the freelancer to founder scale, completely a freelancer. That makes sense where you're doing it on the side. Um, and then you put that in the next six or 12 months, you'd like to be more in the range of a six. Can you tell us what that would look like in an ideal world for you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously I'm a one just because I am just, it's just me at this point. But um, in an ideal world, I think it would be, so I guess the long-term vision or goal of this, I guess, just to give you some um, perspective is basically, I don't want a huge team, but I'm looking at hopefully like a five to six person team or agency, yeah. um, small boutique type style. Some of the stuff that I know Clay has talked a lot about. Um, and that's kind of the ideal vision behind it. And the primary people we want to work with are more of those like health professional type people. And so ideally, that would be uh, the goal at the end of this is to have just a good team together that's really focused on really helping the fellow health professional kind of build out their practice and their site and really their marketing. Okay, I love that. And so I guess what, what's, uh, what do you foresee as maybe a hurdle to that perfect world six in the next six or 12 months? Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing, honestly, is um, clients, obviously, is not that this is like unique to anybody, but I think just having the the higher value clients, I guess you could say. I think a lot of the lessons I learned early on was um, saying yes to certain projects that I shouldn't have been. 
and really ultimately kind of getting drugged down into like having to have like conversations mm. about like small bills and like a hundred dollars, you know what I mean? Like things that really shouldn't have been the focus of the project. Um, and realistically, it's like, I, I think I can definitely do good work and I know the projects that I can give people. And it's so it's kind of being drugged down by projects I shouldn't have been. And I know one of the things that I've, I've heard Clay talk about too is just understanding like, um, people like he talks a lot about about like Kairos in the sense of like generally that's not as difficult as a conversation for somebody that might not have as much um, marketing capital to kind of invest mm. in something like that. So I think that's been the biggest challenge is like connecting with those type of clients, just like higher ticket clients as opposed to like one off hundred dollar jobs or something. Right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Chelsea, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I would be curious to know like what are some things that you've done to get clients that you're doing to get clients like where's your experience already with trying to get clients and what what have you seen works or doesn't work yeah um like 90% of the people i f- i feel like you probably talked to is most of it has just been referral based um is just kind of starting with that first person and helping them and then letting it kind of grow organically from there but I feel like that really ebbs and flows and I would love something more consistent, which is kind of the reason that like, so I feel like the two avenues for me is relationships and then content. And relationships to me is just really meeting people, going to events. Like actually this evening, I'm going to an event of a friend of mine who owns a gym just to go and support him and just to kind of meet people. And then also to uh, content, which is kind of why I have my own podcast as well, which is for me an opportunity to talk to other health professionals and hopefully provide value to them. And obviously, that's more playing the long game. Um, and so maybe it's just an issue of not being patient. I, I don't know, but those have been the main things. I guess like any ideas that would be super helpful. Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> like there are so many ways to go out and get clients. Um, so I assume that you like going to events and that you like doing your podcast. Um, because you're doing them. Um, But are there, okay, so are there, is there a certain type of client that you want to have more of besides just like clients that will pay more than like, you know, $300 for a little side job? Yeah, definitely. Uh, And I think that's where like the physical therapists, the functional medicine practitioners, like those very specific people I really love and enjoy working with and helping with. And so, um, I mean, those are really the people I love serving. Okay. Yeah. Um, So I guess the biggest thing when it comes to getting clients is showing up where they already are. So that can be at in-person events, that can be online in their podcast feeds or other places like... um, like LinkedIn works really well for me. It may not be so big in the physical therapy or functional medicine world, but do you know where do you know where these people tend to gather? I just want to like help get an idea so we can like really kind of dive into helping you get clients. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, if we're talking social media, I would say yes to LinkedIn. Um, that is probably one of the only okay. social media platforms that I do use. I'm not necessarily super skilled at it. I mean, for me, it's mostly just been able like random connections and like cold connection type stuff. I haven't, I don't know, kind of avenues I could be going that route though. Right. Okay. Have you tried many online means to get clients or is it mostly just through? Um, that's a good question. I mean, 
Nothing more than I would say just like cold reach outs. Uh, obviously, there's a ton okay. of people in my local area of Minneapolis where I'll just basically reach out and try to follow up and just try to establish a connection or relationship with them or even invite them on to the podcast. Um, so I think there's, like I said, again, playing the long game. I think that there could be some fruitions from a lot of that stuff is just like getting a, right. lot, a number of guests and the people that I want to talk to on my own podcast show and maybe showing them value from that route. But um, that's pretty much been the main way is just kind of cold reach outs for the most part, or even asking okay. other people that have been on the show for like referrals. And is the podcast pretty much the only thing you have as far as like content nurturing or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you don't really part. have a bunch of like other stuff going on. It's pretty much just the podcast. Uh, yeah, not really. I mean, okay. I tried, I think. I mean, that's fine. I just wanted to get a better, I just yeah. wanted to get like a clear picture of what you had going on. You know what I mean? Because like, yep. yeah, the world of getting clients is a big one. Um, yeah. So on your questionnaire, you said you wanted a sellable, reliable system for bringing clients in um, and getting clients on a monthly recurring fee. So I guess like the biggest thing that I see as far as getting clients is consistency. And you mentioned LinkedIn. And I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn because it works really well for me and it works well for people who are in like the B2B, like businesses providing business services Mm. Um, and showing up there. Like because you have your podcast, that's a really great way to just like repurpose content. Like I used to repurpose um, audiograms from a podcast that I used to do onto LinkedIn and those did pretty well. Um, they did okay, but um, yeah, just as a way to repurpose content and as a way to easily show up and get your name in front of people because what like LinkedIn is really great because it lets you interact and connect with people that you don't actually know yet in your feed. And it lets you have conversations with people that you've never met in your feed. So when you can show up and like, if you, let's see if I have you on LinkedIn. Yeah. So you have I stalked you <laughs> before this opened. I found your LinkedIn profile. Um, so you have Corey Hyben, website designer, healthcare professional, personal branding. Um, so yeah. So if you go through and you just start like having conversations with people in the healthcare niche, you can follow hashtags. You can just make sure you follow people who are sharing a lot of content that already get engagement. Like you don't even have to create your own engagement. You can just kind of piggyback on the stuff that's already there. Your name, your picture, and you know, this website designer thing, healthcare professional shows up regularly in front of people. So that's a really great way to kind of start getting brand awareness. And then you can always like optimize your profile to help people get in touch with you, to send you connection requests, to get involved in conversations via DMs. Um, And obviously I could talk about that all day long, but from that, like how, like, where else can we help you? Like, um, is that starting to help you get clients or do you feel like? Yeah, uh, definitely. I think, I mean, you, you just uh, kind of dive in that a little deeper, I guess. Like, so you mentioned um, hashtags and optimizing the LinkedIn profile. What do you mean by like optimizing a LinkedIn profile? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, so your LinkedIn profile, like... Um, so I'll I'll talk about optimizing your profile first. So if you have a service that you want to offer, it really helps to just like be very, very shameless about it. Like you have website designer, healthcare professional, 
Um, but you could put like website designer for healthcare professionals just mm. right there. And it's yeah. very obvious. I was going to add that see too. Immediately like you, what you, you do. Yeah. You pick like the one thing that you really want to be promoting as opposed to like personal branding, uh, website design, healthcare professional, like, yeah, pick the one thing that you want to use your LinkedIn account to promote at the moment. You can always change it if your emphasis changes later. But right now, like, what's the one thing if people, because when they see your profile, you know, in some settings on LinkedIn, they'll actually see right under your name what you do. And so they won't even have to click through to your profile, which is something cool that LinkedIn does that um, like Facebook or or other social media don't do. Um, so yeah, I, I think that like the first five or six words right under your name can be critical in in getting awareness out about the primary value that you offer potential clients. You hear us talking on the show all the time about social media and the importance of marketing yourself online as you grow your business. That's because social has played a huge role in both of our businesses as we've grown them, but actually getting customers from your social accounts to your website and ultimately to make a purchase can sometimes be more difficult than it should be. If you need a simple solution, I recommend you try getting a .bio domain from Porkbun. That's .bio, .bio. You can put it in your LinkedIn bio. You can put it wherever you want to put it so that people can get directly to your website. We've partnered with Porkbun a lot over the years for two reasons. First of all, we trust them and they offer better deals on domain names than anyone else that we know about. And right now you can get a .bio domain name for less than $3 at Porkbun. So for less than a cup of coffee, you can get a short, memorable, and professional .bio domain name to share yourself with the world. Just visit porkbun.com slash freelance or click the link in this episode's description. That's P-O-R-K-B-U-N.com slash freelance and you can get a .bio domain for $3 right now. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Would it be would it be worth going even more specific in terms of like website design for physical therapists? Yeah, if you I can mean, do if, that, yeah. If that's who you're Sorry. targeting, and then you and then you would hang out in circles on LinkedIn where where physical therapists hang out, right? Yeah, and that yeah, I guess of, obviously the the fear of go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that ties into the hashtags too, like physical mm-hmm. therapy or online physical therapy or physical therapy business like those are all prob i mean probably i don't hang out in the physical therapy world on linkedin but i'm guessing those or similar hashtags would be things that people share content on that people follow who are in that world so you can really start to get your name and like web designer for physical therapists notice across linkedin um and across yeah. the internet and it's really 
unreal, like that sounds simple, but it really is unreal to me. Mm -hmm. Like for me and with the clients I've helped do this, like just how much traction you can gain so quickly just by, you know, commenting on other people's stuff for 20 minutes or 30 minutes a day. Um, You get lots of connection requests, which you can then use to start conversations with people, lots of people following you. Um, Like if you track clicks to your website from LinkedIn, it really ticks up. Um, Yeah. Yeah, And I think also like this, this for me is, is an online version of Clay's famous t-shirt method, which Corey, I don't know if you've heard, but for listeners who may or may not have heard, here's the short story. Basically, um, <clears throat> and I say it's Clay's famous method. He actually learned it from someone else on our blog uh, named David. But <clears throat> the the method goes like this. And Clay did it to build his agency in Little Rock. He basically just wore a shirt. I can't even remember what his said. I remember in the example, like one was copywriter. I think maybe he did web designer. But then like his team all started wearing these shirts too because it did so well. But what he did is he he just made a shirt that just said web designer. And then he just went to events, like some of these events you're talking about, Corey. And and people like saw that he was a web designer and started striking up conversations with him about their website. <laughs> he didn't even have to start going out and like pitching to people. People came to him. And to me, this LinkedIn thing feels like the same thing. Like if you're out just adding value in conversations around physical therapy or whatever, um, and then in your byline that you can see right under your name, it says web design for physical therapists or, you know, whatever, whatever you decide that little tagline is, people will naturally just start reaching out to you. You'll become known. It's not going to happen overnight, but you'll become known as like the web design guy for physical therapists. So I think it's just like an extra little nod that can eventually on autopilot start bringing in some interest. Uh, I love that because I actually do have a shirt now that says web designer because of that nice. same story. So that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, so this is like the online equivalent of of what Clay and David and now you have done to get clients in person. You can now do that on LinkedIn. Yeah, it's really good. I, I think too is, I, I guess probably the sticking point for me was that, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with like JL, what is his name? JLD from Entrepreneurs on Fire, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, John Lee he always talks about yeah, yep. He always talks about like niche until it hurts in some sense. And I yeah. think that because that does it, it definitely, there's definitely a degree of like resistance to wanting to get that specific because then all of a sudden I feel like all these other people that I've served, I'm somehow like to slap in the face, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. And, and that, I mean, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Like there's a lot of controversial advice on finding a niche and, and how deep to go into a niche or whatever. My belief is like, the longer you've been in business, the more niched you should be. Uh, when you're earlier on in your business, like you're fairly early on in this process, I think leave it a little more open. Let mm-hmm. let the right people find you. And as those people find you, you'll start to discover your niche, right? Uh, I, think, I think so often as freelancers, we decide like, this is going to be my niche. And then there's like not clients there or we find it's really hard to market in that space or do sales in that space. Instead, if you leave it kind of open, now, of course, like you want to set some boundaries. You don't you don't want to do you know e-commerce design maybe because that's a whole different skill set as opposed to like web design. Um, but you, you leave it kind of open, like maybe web design for service professionals or web design for health professionals or something, and then you start to see who that attracts. And then after a while, after you have ten, twenty physical therapists 
on your roster, then all of a sudden, yes, it makes sense that you now are the physical therapist, web designer guy. Um, but I, th- I think earlier on, you leave that a little more wide open. I don't know, Chelsea, if you have thoughts on on niching down versus keeping it a little more open. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always good to, especially when you're first trying to get clients to be able to take people that are maybe not 100% exactly the business model that you want. Um, but another thing to remember too is like, like niching is good and I don't want to like downplay the importance of it, but some people almost put it on a pedestal. Mm. Um, and the truth is like, if, like, if people, like if you go the LinkedIn route and people are seeing you and you're showing up and you have web design, like if you choose to write web designer for physical therapists and a functional medicine person sees it and needs a website, like, and they know that you're trustworthy and that, you know, you're a nice guy and provide value. They're still going to ask like, hey, do you do this for like this business model or do you have a recommendation? Um, And then like you could take a call with them and see if you wanted to do their website for them, but that's still a potential lead there. Like it, you're not necessarily cutting yourself off to similar work just because you label yourself as a certain niche, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Um yeah, I, th- I think those are great advice. I think, yeah, because I often get tripped up on like, how niche do you go and should you niche and what is my niche and do yeah. is, it, is it inappropriate? And I think it's just a, yeah, I totally get that. Um, have you, in terms of like the LinkedIn stuff you mentioned, obviously like following hashtags, do you have any other advice or tips in terms of like building that audience and that connection with ultimately the people that I'd want to connect with? Um, I mean, I can talk about LinkedIn all day just because I've experienced (laughs) some really great results from it. But yeah, I think um, the really basics of LinkedIn that are, one, they are super basic, but two, they do give you a lot of return for the time that you spend. It's just like, one, you know, making sure you have something under your name that showcases clearly what you do so people can see it. And you have a picture of yourself already. Some people don't do that. And I don't understand why. So people can put like a face to the name. Um, two, just showing up and, you know, commenting on stuff you see that just naturally shows up in your feed. Or if you don't really like your feed very much, you can go to the different hashtags or try to connect with other people who are more in that niche, who um, do share a lot of content um, and then three, just anytime you send a connection request or you receive one, because you'll receive a lot of connection requests after you start to do and show up multiple times per week for 20 or 30 minutes, just commenting. Use those connection requests as an opportunity to start conversations. And, you know, not necessarily jumping into sales right away, but just saying, you know, hey, happy to connect. Like, was there anything in particular that made you want to? reach out for this connection and just kind of leave it open and let the conversation go where it goes. Um, But, you know, that can be a really great source of leads, of referrals, of future customers who maybe aren't quite ready yet, but they like what you're doing. So they want you in their world. Um, Yeah, it's, it's just a really good place. And those are like three really basic things to do and they're easy to do, but um, yeah that it really does help you take off your business and have like a more reliable source of leads or people you can ask for referrals. And then of course, on top of that, 
you can start to create your own content because, you know, if you create your own content now with not having ever any engagement on LinkedIn, no one's going to see it. But if you create content after you've done, you know, some commenting for a few weeks, more people are going to see it. It's going to bring in more engagement. People will see like, oh, this guy actually does do cool websites. Or you can show like before and afters or whatever it might be that you want to showcase, you know, um, so more people see it and will comment on it and it will reach their networks. And that's one of the cool things about LinkedIn is like you comment on something. And even if the thing you comment on, if that person isn't connected to someone in your connection list, your connection list can still see it in their feed. And that's just, it's it's a cool way of how LinkedIn works that other social media doesn't really do. Yeah. And I think by adding value everywhere you go, like you just start to, to kind of sow goodwill um, among people who potentially could hire you later or might have someone who, who needs to hire you. Like the idea is to just be adding value. And like, I agree with Chelsea. It's so nice on LinkedIn because you can add value without having to be directly connected to somebody. So you can actually add value to a complete stranger's life. Uh, and, And so maybe you find complete strangers who are in your target audience and you see what kind of things they're talking about lately. And, you know, maybe best case scenario, like, someone in frustration posts that they can't get their website to speed up or something. That's like obviously a dream scenario, but that's like an ideal scenario where you could then go in and say, oh, probably what you have to do is take a look at your uh, image sizes and your whatever. uh, And I'd be happy to help you with that if you want. And they're like, who is this guy? But right under your name, it says web designer for physical therapists. So like, oh, okay, well, maybe he really could help me. And whatever. And then you can make the connection or you can just have a conversation in comments. Like there's so much opportunity to just develop relationships there by adding value. Um, like Chelsea said, it's, it's unlike a lot of other social media, particularly for business to business, uh, companies like yours. Yeah. I think it's the perfect platform, honestly, in terms of where my audience is. And like, it's, it's honestly probably the only one I use other than Instagram, but I haven't really found a lot of value in it more than just fun, Yeah, which I don't know how much value you can add there, but yeah. Well, good, man. I think this has been maybe a good conversation on finding new clients. Um, I don't know. Have we answered that entirely? Do you need more ideas on getting new clients? What What are your thoughts? Uh, no, I think it pretty much answers my question. I think uh, I'm definitely not leaning into it quite as much as I should be. And obviously mm, with a yeah. lot of the content that I already have with uh, the podcast stuff, I don't. I guess I don't know entirely. I guess that would be one question is I don't know entirely what that would look like. I know Chelsea mentioned a little bit about that in terms of like using audio clips and stuff or I don't know, would it be like short videos or quotes? I mean, obviously I could use all the above, but I mean, is there certain things that you found to be more effective? I mean, I think you could definitely do like even the stuff I was just talking about a second ago. Like if someone has a question, you could be like, yeah, John from whatever physical therapist company uh, also had that same issue. We chatted about it on this episode of the podcast. Here's a little clip of it or even just here's the full episode uh, to me, though, like the value of the podcast is actually um, a way to <clears throat> to connect. And I know lots of freelancers who do this is a way to connect with your target audience. Whether you get listeners on your podcast or not, like you have an opportunity on a weekly basis to find a new member of your target audience to talk to and build a relationship with. And so... Um, I've actually talked to some freelancers who do this and they care zero about how many downloads they get because it's literally just an excuse for them to get on a phone call with a potential client once a week. And so 
it's really easy. Instead of saying, I want to hop on a sales call, you say, I want to, I want to interview you for my podcast and, ex- and give your business some more exposure. Like that's a value add to them. Uh, and so they're a lot more willing to jump on a, a free phone call to talk about their business on the airwaves, whether that goes to one person or a million people. Um, you know, as opposed to like, can I get on a seven minute phone call with you or whatever? So I think that's where the power of, of the podcast is in my, in my personal opinion. Mm, I like that a lot. I think that's a phenomenal idea. Uh, I, have, I do have another question too. My other question would be, um, what, like, how do you guys like vet or start thinking about, I mean, outsourcing or even like bringing in a VA mm-hmm. or like starting to mm-hmm. get things off of your plate essentially? Because like, I already feel like there's a lot of moving parts and I'm just trying to figure out systems and processes. And it's like, how do I know when and which things to start dishing out, I guess? Yeah, I'm sure Chelsea has some ideas on this. I personally, you know, we were actually talking, I think, off the air about your podcast and like, at what point do you outsource the editing and stuff like that? For me, I, I like you, I enjoy doing a lot of the work to learn how it's done. But then as soon as it's taking up a lot of my time, I, I try to get it off my plate just because everything is an opportunity cost, right? I can either be editing a podcast or I can be developing like a sponsor relationship. And the podcast editing, doesn't cost me that much relative to a lost sponsorship, for example. So like, you know, I think you just have to look at everything as an opportunity cost and where there's more opportunity somewhere else, that's something that you can outsource. So if there's a revenue generating activity you could be doing, but you're not able to do it because you're doing this other non-revenue generating activity, that's the thing that you outsource. And then you go make money in another way to pay for the outsourcing that you're doing. I don't know, Chelsea, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So when I... (laughs) first started trying to offload stuff and trying to be more of like an agency than just me being a freelancer doing everything. Um, It was hard at first. And it was hard because I didn't quite realize how much training was involved or how much direction I needed to give people. I think I just assumed if I went on a website where people had good reviews and you know, labeled themselves as a specialist in this or in that, that I could just hire them, tell them what to do, and they would do it and it would be great. Um, <laughs> and that wasn't the case. Um, so the biggest thing I think is, yeah, you can absolutely start, but to make sure you have your own sort of standard operating procedures and to actually write those down. Um, so if, if you're going to outsource like your podcast production to an agency, for example, they might have their own way of doing things and they might do a really great job, but they might be more expensive versus if you just hired someone who has the skill set for audio editing, but is more of like a VA, they're cheaper, but they need more training and they need like set steps to follow every single time. Um, so just, you know, make sure before you hire someone to do something that you very clearly have listed out like the standard operating procedure for what they do just to kind of like one, avoid the confusion and frustration and two, to um, make the most of your time and make it easier to do. Does that make sense? (laughs) I feel like based on that comment, uh, the first thing I should get rid of is like the social media stuff. Cause I do feel like that is one part of it that, is a bit draining for me in some senses. Like I really enjoy like I, I am 
sort of introverted, I guess. I'm pretty amniverted, I guess. I do very well in social situations, but I do prefer the more like behind the keyboard designing and developing and the one-on-one conversations. But the social media stuff definitely is an energy drain for me. That might be an area I should consider like pushing off or creating a system around, I suppose. Yeah, unfortunately, those are pretty easy to just kind of create like easy do this, do this, then do this systems for. And you can offload that to someone who does social media. And that would be one, it would add energy and time to you just because you don't have to do it. But two, you wouldn't have like that dread or that energy stuck on your to do list to have to deal with. Although I will say there is a risk, like in light of our previous conversation, there's a risk of outsourcing your social media, which right now is your sales method, right? Your marketing method. And so that's actually Mm -hmm. your highest revenue generating that and maybe going to events or whatever. Like that's the idea is that you're generating revenue through that. And so to, to outsource that could be risky because the person you're outsourcing it to might be, depending on who you find, might be just more interested in like checking the box. Did I post or did I comment or did I share an audio clip or whatever, as opposed to like, did I add value to someone's feed? Did I make a connection with someone who could be a potential client? Did I generate actual revenue or generate a sale through social media? I'm not saying you have to do it because obviously if you don't enjoy it, it's going to just, it's not going to work that well anyway. Um, but it, it is important, I think, to find that balance. You'd have to find a way to, maybe you say, you know, uh, tons of content creators do this where they'll just do a podcast and then they'll have ghostwriters and social media um, assistants take content out of the podcast and make it into an image or some text or an audio clip and then share that on social. Um, so you would have to have someone who's like willing to absorb the content you are creating to to absorb your expertise because otherwise they don't have the expertise to offer on the social platform. They would need you know, your value add that you would normally bring to the table. Mm, yeah, that's a really that's good idea. A- yeah, I was just going to say that's a really good point. Like um, having someone do social media for you as far as like repurposing content is great. But like if you're in potentially sales conversations, like in your LinkedIn DMs mm-hmm. um, and you're going to be the one selling the service, you want to make sure you're the one having that conversation so you don't get on a call and have no idea what's going on. Hmm. That's a really good point. Um, I've thought about too, even like from that standpoint of, I don't remember where I heard this about even like hiring other people, like, like physical therapists that are in school and like, they just want some extra side work for like writing Mm. blog posts or Mm -hmm. like, cause obviously they understand the language and they understand the business, but they're not like, and they could use a few extra bucks. So they're maybe a good place where it's like, they know it, but they're not super expensive. Uh, it was just an idea I had. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely a great idea as long as it works into just the bigger marketing picture. Like, like how does that impact sales? You know, where is there like a funnel from the blog to your portfolio to a sales page? Like how just as long as it kind of fits inside. I guess what I'm afraid of is like so many people, myself included, have fallen into the trap of like creating content just to create content because, you know, the gurus, quote unquote, say you got to be everywhere. You got to create content. Uh, you got to be publishing all the time. And I just think it can be really easy to fall into that as opposed to like focusing on getting sales and getting new clients. And where this conversation is a, specifically about how do I get new clients? What's a process I can put in place? I think creating content can be important, but it's not the end all be all for, for building up a client base, you know? 
This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy, you go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. I do, Corey, if it's okay with you, I, there was one other thing on your questionnaire that we have maybe you know seven or eight minutes left here that I do want to make sure we cover. I think Chelsea will have a lot to add to this conversation. And that is, you, um, you said you wanted to find high-paying clients that are open to a monthly recurring fee. And we get a lot of questions and we do a lot of coaching calls on recurring fees. In fact, Clay and I did a whole challenge, a uh, live challenge on Zoom to get recurring revenue. But I, I want to see if Chelsea can maybe add to this conversation a little bit in terms of how do I find clients in the first place that can be potential recurring revenue clients? Is there anything you want to add to that question, Corey, before Chelsea chimes in? Uh, I guess my thought behind it, just for context, was essentially, uh, obviously, we've all kind of done like the hourly or the project-based. And then obviously, the golden nugget is more having the reoccurring. And I think. Um, I think my challenge initially early on was that uh, I think a lot of the clients that I was working with just, I guess, just didn't have the the marketing capital to afford something like that per se. I, don't, I mean, I guess mm, I mean, yeah. if I was a lower price, it might have. But um, and so, yeah, it's just uh, just been a challenge, I guess, getting people to buy onto that or to be excited about it. I feel like there's a, there's been a lot of pushback whenever I do pitch that initially. A lot of people are like, ah, oh, just rather pay a fee or like pay hourly or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, I'll go that route, but it's not ideal. And it's not even ideal for them either, which is the irony of it is like, I, I always see my projects as like long-term relationship opportunities. It's like, I don't want to just like do this and never see you again. Like this is an opportunity for us to like work together. And like when you need updates and when you need to add a blog or when you need to add new video that you might have, like I want to be able to be there for you. And so it's just been, I don't know, for some reason though, it's there's always been a pushback for it. So I'm not sure where that's coming from. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there are a lot of different ways to get people onto like recurring plans, like monthly retainers, I guess, basically, right? Um, so something that I found, like is what you mentioned, Corey, is that people aren't always initially open to wanting to sign on to a month-to-month agreement right away because they think they just want this like one thing done. Um and then they think the project will be done and they won't have to hire you anymore until like, unless maybe they have something in mind. They're like, oh, well, maybe I'll come back in six months for this other thing. Um, but so they they might not buy into it right away. But then like one thing that I've had success with and then I've seen other people have success with is after, so they might say no to it at first and that's fine. But after 
you deliver the initial project, which is usually going to be a much bigger thing than whatever the recurring thing you sell is, you can come back and say, okay, now um, I can do this for you for X amount per month. And, you know, we can just try it on a four month basis or a six month basis. Would you like to try it? Or another thing that I have tried and that works well is to add sort of like a freebie onto your project. So I would do data reviews. So I I would write copy and like, for example, an email sequence. And then I would say, okay, in three months, I'm going to go in to your email software and look at the data, look at the conversion rates and suggest some improvements. And so from the data that I was able to gather, I could either... One, sell them on more services that I knew they could use, but they weren't ready to say yes to during the initial project. Or I could find something in the data on their email or on their website or whatever it was we were working on that, or social media, for example, that could use monthly maintenance or weekly maintenance and then say, oh, well, actually this, you see these numbers and they can result in these numbers and I can do it for you for this much per month, which would mean like this much more revenue potentially. So you can just kind of um, unemotionally show them the numbers of what's possible after the fact of the first initial project being done. And that really increases the chances of having, um, having them say yes to something that's more of a recurring or monthly predictable revenue for you. Um, but I guess one, is that helpful? And two, do you have examples of some of the recurring stuff that you have been trying to sell to people or that you would like to sell to people? Um, yeah, it's super helpful. I think uh, yeah, it's not it's not so much like other services at this point that I've been able to like try to sell or upsell on anything. It's more or less just been like, here's a $4,000 project let's spread this out over the course of like 12 months or 24 months versus just this like upfront lump sum fee. And so it's it's still generally, it's obviously like the same price for a project either way. Um, but for whatever reason, unless it's like Netflix or Amazon, people are just like, no, I don't want to pay monthly. So I don't know. I don't uh, really know. So you're saying like it, it's less, <clears throat> less about like a, a, a monthly service that you'll offer and more about how do you, how do you have them pay for their project over... 12 or 24 months instead of in a lump right. sum at the beginning. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting. I guess uh, I guess what's what's the what's the drive behind that? Why would you prefer that they pay on a monthly basis? Uh, scaling, sustainability. I feel like yeah. it's a lot easier to bring somebody on if you know how much you're going to get next month. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about that quite a bit on the show. Uh, so I think that's a great answer. I guess... Um, I guess for me, like I think people have a hard time paying over a longer period of time if they don't know what value they'll be getting during that period of time. So, like mm. if they see that they'll get the value in month one, they don't want to keep paying for twenty-four months. Although that's not right. necessarily true. Mm-hmm. People buy cars and furniture and homes that way. So, you know, uh, this this is a this is a tough one. I I would almost say, like, I would almost say you have to frame it as the value that they'll get every month. Even though the main value that you'll be adding is 
is the website. Maybe the other value, maybe maybe you frame it like this. Uh, great, I'll I'll build the website and also um, uh, if you pay, if you pay monthly instead of with the up upfront payment, um, we can also maintain it for you. If you don't want us to maintain it for you, that's fine. Here's what it will entail if you have to do it on your own. You'll need to do a weekly backup. I can show you how to do that. You'll need to do a, you know a, a whatever publish a blog post twice a, twice a week or whatever. Like you come up with this list of stuff that they'll have to do, and then all of a sudden they're like staring down the barrel of this list, <laughs> and and you can say or. We can do that all included for you if you choose to pay out over 24 months instead of uh, in a lump sum. And then it's like, well, it's the same amount of money. I'm getting more. Uh, and, you know, so there starts, it starts to be like a no-brainer. Um, I don't know if that would work with like the business model that you're looking at. I don't know if it would be too much extra work for what you're currently offering or whatever. But that is, that is definitely a, a tough question. I'm not sure, I'm not sure the angle on that. Yeah, it's interesting, like, I guess my question is, like, coming from, like, my perspective of someone who could be a client, if I'm paying over the course of 12 months, does that mean it takes 12 months to get the thing done? Mm, That's valid, too. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I... No, <laughs> uh, I always present it as is like rather sixty or ninety days, depending upon the project. Um, and the way I guess I'm selling it, quote unquote, is essentially like like I mentioned earlier in terms of um, updates and changes and edits. So something like that would include like, okay, the website will actually be built in, we'll say, sixty days, and then for the next twenty four or twelve months, like there's going to be other edits and changes and updates that need to be done, which are all going to be taken care of over those next twenty four months. Um, and so that's been the main pitch. But I do really like what you're saying, Preston, about like making it a no-brainer of like having a very specific list of like you could do it monthly reoccurring, but here's the things you're gonna have to do. Otherwise, or excuse me, you could do a full lump sum and here's the things you're gonna have to do, or we could do it monthly reoccurring, and here's the things that I can just take care of for you over the next yeah. 12 or 24 months. Yeah, and I would try it too, just as an experiment, maybe like half clients try one way and half clients try another way to see like one, you can try the whole lump sum over 24 months or two, just to charge the um, the fee for getting the website up in 60 days or whatever it is. And then offering them the maintenance package yeah. and yep. say, oh, you can get this maintenance package or in order to maintain this website that you've just spent thousands of dollars making, you're going to have to do this every single month and give them the list that Preston talked about. And then I think that would be a much easier sell. And so the amount that you get each month subsequently would be less. But if that maintenance work is not very hard for you to do on the back end, you could like stack up like 10 clients a month doing that or 20 clients a month and just, you know, do one a day or something, whatever whatever the kind of work that you have to do for that is, but it's fairly easy to maintain. And then you have that like stack of income reliably every month for a year until like it's time to renew or something like that. Hmm. I like that. I think those are, that's a phenomenal idea is basically just in that, even then too, like they can have either option, right? Like you could rather do the mm-hmm. lower upfront fee if you don't have the capital now, or if you do have the capital now, we can just take it and then you could potentially offer a maintenance plan if you want it per se. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, I know psychologically, like, there's a huge, we've talked about this a bunch on the show, and again, in our challenge that we did, there's a there's huge psychological impact on knowing that you're going to be making a certain amount of month, money a month for the next 12 months. Like, there's a huge, it really helps your ability to scale. But if But if you really, like, break down the math of it, really, it just, you could take all the payments up front, and this could be a moot point, if you can just have the discipline than to say I'm only going to quote unquote you know pay my business or 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 spend have the budget right uh, so if I'm so if I have a twelve thousand dollar upfront payment from a client I'm only going to let myself spend a thousand of those twelve thousand dollars every month and so it kind of becomes the same right and I know that can be difficult because it's when our when our bank account is full like it can be really easy to um, to spend it and and or to spend it on investing on growing your business and then you don't have clients the next month or whatever. But I really think it could just be like a, a I get the psychology, but but it could just work to just be a little more strict on how you spend your budget. And then you receive those upfront payments and then you're just you don't spend them all. You only spend them as you need them to scale, you know. Yeah, I like it. I like. I mean, I, I for sure like the idea of having both options too. Yeah, I, think that's, I love the idea that's of like, having both options. I think that definitely works. Because I I already sort of did, but I wasn't necessarily structuring mm. it the way that you guys just described with like a maintenance on the tail end of a big project or right. having that within the package. Yeah, I think if I were the client, I'd be asking like, "Well, what do I get for paying? You know, whatever two hundred dollars a month or five hundred dollars a month? Like, what am I actually getting?" Besides, just like basically zero percent financing. <laughs> if if they have the cash flow for it, they're gonna they're gonna want to just pay right up front. Um, so, I think that's I think that that works. Maybe there's some good stuff to explore there. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. That's super helpful. Thank you guys. Okay, well, Corey, we're out of time, unfortunately, man. But it's been really great chatting with you. Um, thanks so much for taking the time to to be on the show. Tell people where they can catch up with you. Uh, obviously LinkedIn, as we've talked about. Uh, yes. <laughs> Corey Hibben is the name. And then Instagram, I use it for fun. And then my website is Corey High, like hi, Corey, at .com. So, yep. Very nice. Okay, excellent. And Chelsea, uh, let people know where they can connect with you as well. Yeah, so the two best places to connect with me and kind of see what I have going on is on my website at get, G-E-P, getcopypower.com. Um, there's a freebie just in the top menu bar there, um, a free handbook on learning how to write better copy for better conversion rates, if that's something that you're interested in, or on Instagram at GetCopyPower. I share some videos on like some business tips and business advice um, a few times a week there. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you to both of you for taking time today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. Thanks. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of the Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at freelancetofounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time. See ya.